an AppleViz original. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an AppleViz Extra. This is a special edition covering the Apple's WWDC for the Worldwide Developer Conference for 2022. My name is Thomas Donva, also known as Anonymous. I am here with a couple of our AppleViz editorial team members. We have right over here is Alex Hall. How are you doing, Alex? I am not too bad. In about an hour, I'm going to be sweating and miserable, but right now I am doing fine. <laughs> really you hot are in this busy. Room. <laughs> you got busy things to do. I know Alex is going to be doing a blog coverage, and he's also been trying to be busy trying to get profiles for his iPad and his Mac. And then the other corner, we have Tyler Steven. How are you, Tyler? I'm good. Excellent. Hey, just like every other year, or not every other year, but every year we have this WWDC that everybody gets all excited about. See what is new in iOS, Apple Watch. Um, the Mac and the iPad, of course. So there was a lot of things that came out of the WDC. And as always, there's are many, many different features that we can expect. A lot of the things we'll be covering here are probably most of the major things that we're talking about. There might be some minor ones. We're definitely are some itty bitty things that, that we will not be covering on this podcast. Anywho, with that Let's go ahead and dive in as the WWDC did. We'll go in the order that came out and we'll discuss about some things that may be portrayed for us and other things that are not so great for us. And we'll get into that. All right, let's get into iOS 16. I know that we all have been biting the nails trying to figure out what's new in this. First, I want to talk about compatibility. Um, my understanding is that you have to have an iPhone 8 and newer. So I mean, when I thought the 6S would be dropped, nope, the 7 gets dropped as well. So the 7 and down gets dropped. Now, that does not include the iTouch, um, their iPod Touch. My understanding, the 7th generation is acceptable for the iOS 16. So that's kind of a good thing. I don't know if you guys... I. Tyler, you were just mentioned you have a, a touch. What generation is that? I have a seventh generation iPod touch, and I, I didn't think that it was supported. Is it supported, the seventh gen? Because that's an A10, and I'd be surprised if it was supported because the seven and the seven plus are not. Where Did you hear that the seventh gen iTouch was supported? Mm -hmm. I saw a list of all the devices. I saw all the way down to iPhone 7. Or I'm sorry, <clears throat> iPhone 8, not to confuse. So iPhone 7 is not compatible and below, but it listed the iPod Touch 7th generation. That's interesting. Wow. Okay. Um, I skimmed it um, briefly and I saw iPhone 8 and later, and I figured, you know, because that's an A11, I figured the iPod Touch was not supported because it has similar specs, but, you know, who knows? I'll have to investigate that further. Okay. Because that's what the device I have um, for, for testing. Purposes. Awesome. So, you know, these are fresh new. So <laughs> hopefully we're, we're portraying some of the information. You know, we're reading this as we do the podcast. It's just been an intense couple hours trying to digest all this stuff, too. So the biggest one that everybody's talking about is the lost screen. So the ability to be able to customize the lost screen. And that means, um, yes, you'll be able to customize how you want the lock screen to look that in terms of this multi-layer thing though guys i'm not so sure about they discuss about 
um, wallpapers, being able to change fonts and things like that. I think it'd be great for our low vision folks, but us blind people, we're not going to be able to take advantage of that because I guess some of the wallpapers are really rich interface or animated and things like that, like the weather. Um, we're not going to be able to see, of course. Um, the widgets are very much like my understanding is very similar to the Apple Watch compl- computations, which is kind of makes me like, huh, this is interesting. It's more like a computation. So it's kind of a, a mini version of the actual widgets that we're used to in the home screen. So you will have your own lock screen gallery. So the widgets are going to be different from a different gallery, from my understanding. So with that, I am curious what you guys think of the modification and customizing your own lock screen. Do you think that will be very interesting? Before I answer, though, I'd also add that, as I understand it, you can have multiple lock screens, just like you can have multiple watch faces. Mm -hmm. So if you want to, you can have you know, three of them set up. And anytime you open up your lock screen, you just three finger swipe left or right between them. Uh, and you can have whatever widgets and things that you you want. And it also moves your notifications to the bottom, which will be for those of us who use um, just touch to go to things quickly. That's going to be a bit of a, a learning curve for me, at least. I'm so used to going to the middle or the top. And now I've got to go to the very bottom where before I just, there was flashlight and camera at the bottom, which I don't care about. So um That'll be a bit of a switch, but overall, I'm kind of excited about this. I know, <clears throat> Tyler, we've spoken before. You don't use widgets, right? You don't really like them? Um, I don't use them much. It's one of those things where I, I think when iOS 14 came out, I tried using the weather widget on my home screen because I thought it'd be cool to mm-hmm. you, you know view the temperature on my home screen without having to dive into the app or you know view something in calendar with the calendar widget. Um, but I found that I... I, I they, more often than not, it was kind of getting in the way um, of how I am used to organizing my things. Yep. And I find that if I really wanted to get information at a glance, I just go to my today view. Um, so I, yep. I don't know what that means like now because you swipe the swipes are now swiping to different lock screens. So I don't know if you know I'll have to check that out to see if the today what that means for the today view. And but I, I can't I don't see myself using widgets on the lock screen just based on prior experience where I would try it, save it in the home screen and didn't find it as useful as I thought I would. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. Honestly, I think the widget I use most is the battery widget actually. Um, and part of that is because I have an Apple watch and I like to use it to keep an eye on the watch's battery, but it also shows, you know, my aftershocks battery or my AirPods battery. So I I use that widget all the time and having that right on the lock screen without having to even swipe up to go to the home screen, it's just that much closer and that much easier to get to. I'm looking forward to that weather calendar, you know, just the few common ones that everyone uses. Um, I'm I'm definitely a fan of widgets, so I'm glad to see them coming to the lock screen. Um, And I also think the notification style that Apple mentioned where you can have updating notifications. So the same notification will show you your Uber ride is 10 minutes away. They're eight minutes away. They're six minutes. Instead of getting three notifications, you just have one. So I'm also looking forward to not having groups of things that you have to expand and clear and all this stuff. You just have the one. That'll be it once apps update to take advantage of it. So really all these lock screen changes are going to be kind of weird, but I am definitely looking forward to them all. 
I am also looking forward to the notification updating so I don't have to get multiple notifications, just one that I can, yeah, it's a constant feed rather than several notifications basically conveying the same type of information. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with both of you. I think, you know, I thought widget was going to be something I would use in the home screen and it never happened because I think it because it took real estate on your on your device, or I said not your device, but on your home screen. Yep. And so thus far, it kind of screwed up my layout. In this case, it's totally different. It's like you unlock it, everything's there. Like you said, you got your battery, you got your calendar. It just seems a lot more sense. And I think people will start to use this more than they have before, because I would think most people probably don't even bother with the widgets. So this is kind of a thing. I don't know about this notification roll-up that you were talking about, Alex. It is located at the bottom. That is going yep. to be weird. I know. <laughs> That's a um, lot of muscle memory. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. It's like, I don't, you know, we always get scared about, oh, man, but we'll have to see how it works. Um, the live activity is what you were talking about, the notification mm -hmm. style called the live activity, which allows you to interact with live things like scores and things like that. They're live. You can interact with it and do what you want with it, which is kind of cool, too. Um I wonder what that means for like at the media player, you know, that stupid media player that's always stuck right in the middle. I never use. <laughs> yeah. I kind of hope that goes away. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so that's kind of a big feature in the lost screen um, for you to know about. Now, a lot of the miscellaneous, um, we got lots of improvements across the board and we'll start with messages. Now you'll be able to not, can you just edit a message? Yes, you can edit. So if you wrote something and you said, ah, I want to change that, you can go back and edit the message. You can also recall it. So if it's something like, eh, I wish I hadn't sent that message, you can recall that back if they haven't seen it. I think that's how that works. I wonder if you can call it once it's been read. You guys have any clue? No, no idea. Yeah, uh, a lot of these things we don't know how it's going to work yet, but there's some of the things that they offered on the keynote today. And then you can mark unread threads. So if there's a thread that you've already read, you wanted to mark it unread, you're able to do that. I love that. That is kind of a cool thing because sometimes I don't mean to do that. I wanted to come back and so I could see that. Um, so that is going to be a helpful one, I think, myself. Um, and then the big thing that they tout is share play, share play, share play. This is going to be mentioned a lot in this podcast. They've really taken the share play to the next level in terms of collaboration. Um, we'll get more into that when we get the iPad. But for the iPhone, you'll now be able to share play along with the messages. So you could be able to collaborate with different items Um some of the things like keynotes, notes, those kind of a things you can be able to share play with it. Um, what did you guys think of the new improvements of messages? Um, I think they're useful improvements. I especially like the ability to mark things as read because like you guys, I sometimes I intend to come back to a message and then I might forget. Whereas if I see that I have a message that's on read, I'm more like or that's marked as unread, I'm more likely to actively return to it. Um, as far as the editing and recall, again, I don't know how that works either. Um, it sounds like a neat feature. I don't know if it's something I would use, but maybe that it's there. Maybe I would think to use it more. Maybe um, that you know, discovering that it's that I have it, maybe I would find a use for it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I definitely yeah. think those are 
makes the messages app, if nothing else, more powerful and more sort of brings in an attempt to sort of bring it up closer to the competition with other messaging apps. What do you think, Alex? Uh, same same boat, basically. it's I'm probably not going to edit any messages. <clears throat> I mostly communicate with family members and friends. And you know, if I make a, a typo, they don't care. <laughs> they know what I mean. <laughs> so I probably won't edit those. But it is good to have. I do sometimes do more professional professional iMessage things. So that, I guess, will be nice. But uh, SharePlay, I, yeah, I, don't, share I don't plan to use SharePlay at all. Yeah. I don't currently use it, and I probably won't. I can see it being helpful for a certain kind of user, but I'm not that kind, I guess. So mm. none of these improvements, apart from marking us on red, really impact me personally. But as Tyler said, it's good to see them. They're kind of coming more in line with you know WhatsApp and other platforms that offer more powerful options. Right. I think what they're trying to do, they're trying to draw away from other apps out there that allows you to share and collaborate with others um, when it comes to variety of photos, notes, and all those items into one place so you don't have to have those apps. So I can see Apple taking away some um, apps out there, stole some of their ideas on that. I agree with you. I'm not going to be doing much of a share play. I really don't unless it's a work environment or I got a business or something. I could see yeah. that working or you're working with others um, that could be in play. The edit and the recall, I would probably never use that either. But regardless, they're nice features. Now, the one thing I noticed, guys, did you notice during this um, <laughs> during this keynote that they throw in a bunch of iPhone apps or features into the Mac and the iPad and Apple Watch? So they kind of even things out what it sounds like. There wasn't enough meat for other categories like the Apple Watch. So they just kind of threw in some, oh, let's a couple of these. That'll be the iPhone and work on that. iPad got a couple, as such as mail. So this was in the Mac. When they spoke about the Mac OS, they mentioned mail. I'm going to throw in a couple of those topics into iOS since most of the listeners probably are into iOS. So I'll keep that up in the front for you. So mail was mentioned in Mac OS. So basically we're getting the same thing in the Mac which is kind of a long overdue. They're kind of revamping the mail just a little bit, some new revision to it. Now you can schedule an, a mail. So if you want to schedule at a certain time, my understanding, you can recall for a moment, this is kind of a new thing. So it, momentarily, if you feel like you hit the send button, it's like, oh, I didn't really want to send it. You'll be able to recall it. And they have this remind later. So if you get an email and you want to say, ah, I, I don't want to deal with it right now. Remind me later, though, because I do want to get back to it or whatever. Or you can do a follow-up on it. So it notifies you that you are being reminded to do a follow-up on this email. So what do you guys think of the mail app itself of the features? Very small, but kind of powerful. Yeah, I I think the follow-up is also the option to... If you send an email and you don't get a response in a certain amount of time, then mail will let you know, hey, by the way, you sent this thing a week ago and they never answered. Um, and it'll, it'll remind you to follow up on that. So nice stuff to have, kind of like messages. I don't see myself using a lot of these very often, but I'm glad to have them. And I know a lot of mail clients on other platforms and even uh, on the Mac do have them. And uh, some of them sounded a little bit familiar from even you know the iOS Gmail app. So again... Apple's playing catch up a little bit in some ways, but that's fine. You know, they needed to do it eventually. So it's good that they're focusing on this release being a lot of 
nice to haves and things that people will really use. Even if I'm not one of those people, it's good that they're out there now. What do you think, Tyler? Um, I'm kind of the same way. These aren't things that I currently use. They remind me some of those features like scheduling and suggested follow-ups kind of remind me of what's available in the Gmail interface. Um, And I think they're kind of like, I don't use other third-party email clients, so I can't speak to those, but I definitely seen some of those features in Gmail. And also I've heard they're improving their search function in mail. Um, Mm. So, and that's helpful sometimes if I'm looking to find a message, if my inbox is cluttered or I just have multiple multiple very large studied conversations. I do find I use the search function a lot in mail, both on Mac OS and iOS. So any improvements to that, you know, making it more precise or smarter, I will welcome. Well, let me tell you what I'm nervous about though. Um, on the Mac specifically, mail has always been one of the apps that hasn't been really touched. So it hasn't been affected by that weird problem where you can't arrow up and down the table without interacting first, then you lose, you know, <laughs> don't get the whole row and all that. I'm worried that Mac OS 13's mail revamp is going to break that and it's going to break the way that I like to use that messages table. So I'm a bit scared to update just to see what happens, but it's uh, going to have to happen eventually. It is mm. something to think about and to check into. I totally agree with you, Alex, on that. That is something to be worried about, but we'll have to wait and see before we can't really jump into something until we know what's going on. But the search, yes, definitely has a revamped. I don't, um, the follow-up I definitely will be using. I use a lot of my emails for business and Mm. I do send a lot of messages and sometimes they fall through the crack. And so it would be great to have a follow-up. So I I do like that feature. The others, um, like you guys says, is very similar to messages. It definitely indeed and does. SharePlay is getting some sort of a love in here. So as I mentioned before, SharePlay is going to be everywhere. So there are going to be some new refinements, how the SharePlay works. So let's just say you're on FaceTime. When you hit SharePlay, you're now going to get a list of all the, um, what do you call it, SharePlay enabled app. So this is kind of a long overdue thing. So they kind of enticed it a little bit, gave some new features to it. Um, so as you're going to see this within messages and FaceTime, so messages is getting the same love as you see in FaceTime when it comes to share play. Now, here's another one they discuss about this guys and the keynote. And I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Until they told me, I was like, what in the world dictation? They made this big deal about dictation in the keynote. Did you guys hear mm-hmm. this part? Oh yeah. Um, so basically when you now dictate, um, the keyboard will stay up. And I, to me, maybe it's a voiceover thing. It's already up. So I don't know what that is for because the dictate button is down at the bottom right for us. And the keyboard is always up, I believe. But anywho, for those of vision, the keyboard will stay up. So that way you can quickly go from audio to touch and then go back. I heard that if you misspelled something or you say something wrong, you go back and just tap on that word and you use a dictate just to replace that word and that item that you selected i thought hmm, that's kind of cool um well so double tapping a word has always been the way to select it visually i know that doesn't really help voiceover but if you're not using voiceover that's how you do it so i think they're just saying you can type you can use your cursor navigation you can use all the usual touch gestures that you're used to 
and you can leave dictation open so you can speak whenever you want to at the same time. I think they're just trying to combine both of those into one input. Interesting. Yeah, I just like, well, I'll discuss it because we have low vision folks here that might be um, impacted by this. But for those blind, I don't think this is going to make much of a difference for us. Well, so I've always found that with dictation on, I can't use the keyboard. Speech won't say anything. It'll click when I touch a button on the keyboard, but it won't tell me what the Mm. button is. So I've always found it to be one or the other. And I'm curious to see how they've managed to cause voiceovers a voice to not impact dictation at all. That'd be interesting. What do you think, yeah. Tyler? I wonder if perhaps it, if you're using headphones or, you know, hmm. earbuds or headphones that, you know, where the audio input comes through that rather than the speaker, maybe the, it'll, the mic will have an easier time ignoring yeah. or who knows, maybe the, this machine learning magic that they're advancing will um, have ways where if the system knows to it, you know, certain parameters of voiceover voices maybe it knows to ignore it i'm not i don't know how that would work you know how that would actually work but that's uh, maybe possible i don't know i can't imagine that it'll change a whole lot for me because when i use dictation i don't i usually speak and then afterwards i'll check it over and use the keyboard to correct any typos or things that it didn't get um so i don't think that will change a whole lot for me same um, speaking of magic, though, one of the things they mentioned, I, I don't think, Thomas, you mentioned this. Supposedly, when you're dictating, it will now automatically insert punctuation. You don't have to say, hello, yes. comma, it's me, period. It'll just do it. It's supposed to add punctuation as you dictate. That is yeah. correct. And that's one of the new features now. How well that's going to work if it's as bad as getting my <laughs> what I'm supposed to say, um, that is remain to be seen. If we yeah. thought... Sending a message to our family is all butchered up. <laughs> now it's going to add punctuation to that butchered stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like that. Um, that. That's one of those remain to, to be seen how that works when we get dive into the beta. Um, I'll be curious how that works. But they made it such a big deal. Uh, it's like, huh, okay, we'll just talk about that. Um, some other new things is Siri features. Um, some of the things they did talk about did not... You can now, they made it really quick, and I wasn't 100% sure what exactly emojis you were talking about, but you're now able to send some new emojis by uh, Siri. So I know this, there's a few handful that you can send, but apparently there are some new ones. Did you guys notice that in the keynote? I think it's more that it supports, if you say the name of the emoji and then end with emoji, it'll do it, and it's... I guess been hit or miss before. I thought that was always the thing. Right. But I, I guess, I don't know if it's more reliable or if, like you said, there were a few, but now they've expanded it to a lot. And I'm sorry for the dog. If you can hear the dog in the background. Uh, <laughs> he has his input too. Yeah. That's Zoe I again. love emojis. Zoe's been on podcasts of here on here before. So welcome back, <laughs> Zoe, to the podcast. Um. Yeah. So I know, yeah, I, I that's the part I was confused about, but they yeah. talked about it and I just thought I share that. Tyler, do you have any input on this emoji? Do you know? Not really. Again, I thought that you could do this before. Right. But it's not something I really pay attention. Emojis aren't something I really pay attention to. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't write using them and you know, in my own writing, but I read them and you know, that's that. I, I don't really think about them much. One interesting feature of Siri 
little enhancement is you can now use it apparently to hang up calls. Oh, yes. that's right. So um, I just hope that it's precise enough to know to you know and smart enough to understand or to not you know mishear the content of a conversation. You know, mm. as opposed to "Hey, you know who?" Right. Hang up the call. Um, <laughs> Voice Siri. It will yeah. think. Yeah. And so that so, is a new one that that would be hope, very yeah. well welcome. Hope it and doesn't I, I hang up halfway through. That, yeah, and I hope <laughs> that because this is something that tends to happen for some people more than others due to voice characteristics and other factors um, like environment. So I would imagine or hope that there'd be a way to turn this off for situations where it isn't so reliable, where it's hanging up the call, you know, halfway through or, you know, you know, in mid conversation, Um, Mm -hmm. but it could be convenient. Say I I picture it for people who are maybe who are driving. Mm. um, Oh, definitely. People with, um, in that, yeah. Disabilities with their hands and motor, anything like that. They'll be be able to hang up the phone. And the other one that is a big major plus for me was mentioned that you'll now be able to send a message without being confronted with a confirmation prompt. So you'll be able to send it without saying, repeat, then it says, are you ready to send it? Oh, nice. I missed that. That's what it's talking about. So we'll have to see, but some of these things were just coming through. There's kind of small things. It seems like there's just lots of small things, nothing like earth shattering. There are also some visual lookup enhancement, which is what we're talking about. Like when you bring out the camera, how you detect things like objects or something, you'd be able to take, they were doing a demonstration. You could take an object, double tap on it, and they hold it, and they were able to move it to message. I don't know how that works exactly and what I would do in that case. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. So that was basically, I think, uh, from what I got from the the demo. So maybe you have their image was of a dog, and uh, they just grabbed the dog and pulled it out of the image and dropped that into messages. And it, I believe it created a new image. That's so if you just mind. If you want the subject, but you don't want the background, that's kind of what that's for. Whoa, that's mind-boggling when I so, think about that. Yeah. Huh. So if you see a printer or it say a computer, I can just double tap on that computer, put in a message, and they just see the computer and nothing else. Supposedly. And it'll be really neat to see how voiceover does that. Because right now you've got the object or the uh, image description stuff. You can pull up the screen that shows each part of the picture and what voiceover thinks each thing is. So I'm wondering if that's how we'll be able to do it. You know, you pull up that screen, you find the image or the part of the image you want, and then you can drag that. I I don't know, but I'd imagine that's how it will probably play out. Now, some of the things I've heard and I saw that what it will recognize for us now is uh, birds insects and statues. I don't know why statues, but those are some examples of new AI that will be able to detect those items when it comes across. I thought, you know, I, I'm kind of comfortable right now, not knowing how many insects are around me. So I don't know about that. (laughs) Can you imagine that you take a picture of yourself? There's a, you know, you got a fly on your arm or something. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be weird. Just walking around. Oh, there's a wasp next to you. Yeah. I don't want to know this. Um. Let's dive into wallet. Now, this is an interesting one, guys. The Apple Pay Later. Oh, I don't know how this works, but what I know is that it's what it stays. Is so it spreads out in four payments, and you got six weeks to pay it off with 0% interest rate. And this is merchant with Apple Pay. So if there's an app that has 
uh, capability of Apple Pay or websites that takes Apple Pay, you'll be able to use this option to pay later. So you buy your stuff now and spread it out. I thought that was really cool, but I don't know how that worked. Do you need to have an Apple card? I mean, how would you know or yeah, what so kind of requirements do you need to be able to pull out that kind of a loan? For what they said, if you pay with Apple Pay, that's it. They didn't say there were any other requirements and the merchant needs to do nothing at all. So if if they support Apple Pay, it'll just be another option on the Apple Pay confirmation screen that the phone brings up. Um, of course, there'll probably be a lot more details. You know, what happens if you miss a payment? What happens if you're late? There's going to be a ton of stuff uh, that comes out later once it's released. But I believe it's nothing to do with the merchants or with your credit or anything. It's just an option. Hmm. And so it comes across as a, as a uh, payment out of your Apple ID, like you pay for yeah, just, a subscription. Yeah, you know, just like you, whatever method you okay. would use to pay for Apple Pay stuff, that's what this would use. Well, that's a whole new game. Uh, a lot of people will get themselves in trouble with this, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. What do you think, Tyler? Would you be able to, would you use something like that? Maybe. I don't know. It sounds almost like <laughs> a mini, like a mini credit card in a sense. Yeah. Six weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, They say no fees of any kind. Again, I'm not sure what happens, you know, and how exactly how the payments are divvied up among, you know, in that time and what happens if you miss a payment or something like that. But it's, I mean, maybe I use it in some situations. I don't know. Um, It'll be interesting who will be doing this. What merchant, you know, um, it's, it's, it's easier said than done as in, Oh, it sounds great, but I'll never be able to use it because nobody supports it. Um, that's my well, biggest fear. Well, that's I what I was saying, though. They any merchant should, from what they were describing on the stage, it's holy smokes, it's just Apple Pay backed. So if you support Apple Pay, you're automatically logged oh, into this. Wow, you're done. Can you say this is dangerous for me on Amazon? I, <laughs> yeah, I really want. Oh my. Um. So yeah, be. Um. I'm sure this more information will be coming out now as a state when they do this at the keynote, it's very vague. So we don't have a lot of information how this is supposed to work other than what they say. Um, the other nice item they have is Apple Pay order tracking. So if you do order something, you now are able to track that purchase and you can see where that's yeah. at. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And that is merchant specific, though, because they have to opt in and do stuff and things and who knows what all on their side but that won't be automatic. I think they said, what do they say? Shopify? Yeah, he mentioned Shopify and that was it. Yeah, so <laughs> Shopify is one of those, it's like PayPal, you know, you don't see it much, but it's kind of in the background of a lot of sites you pay for online mm -hmm. or you, you pay through online. So if Shopify supports it, that's automatically going to add a bunch of your more common smaller sites, you know, not your Amazon or anything, but the smaller ones that support Apple Pay anyway. Um, won't be all of them, but Shopify is a Shopify is a good start for for that. They're pretty popular. Yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that all works. Again, like I said, you know, the merchants is what's going to be important here when it comes to that portion. Yeah. Um, there's some improvement to digital ID and to keys, so you're able to share keys and digital ID. You're now <laughs> able to extract or verify your age on certain purchases. So I suppose if there's uh, an alcohol purchase, you have to prove it. Um, now they'll take part of your digital ID from your driver's license if your state uh, allows it. So that was, that was hmm. neat though. Like as they explained it, you can prove you're over 21. Right. The uh, the Apple wallet will just say yes. It won't say, oh yeah, you're 27. 
So it's as few personally identifiable details as it can get away with, which is is nice. Um, I was laughing there when you mentioned keys because there are so few. I out know, there. right? <laughs> it's like, huh? Well, I I know they're they're talking to ninety nine percent of the people that don't have yeah. Keys you know, if, to the car yet? If yeah, exactly. If you've got a seventy thousand dollar twenty twenty three car, hey, maybe it'll support it. But apart from that, or a couple home kit locks that are just barely on the market, yeah, no one has these <laughs> at all. Uh, yeah, I don't. They always try to push it, Alex. I don't know why and to whom. Uh, I, th- I guess a lot of the Apple workers are very rich. I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I've never come across an Apple Wallet supported key in my life. No, um, me neither. I don't. No. You know, I don't have a. You know, any I don't know anyone with a car like that. I don't. Um, right. I've never seen it at a hotel like that. I guess some hotels have them. Um, I saw some something where. Do. Off, yeah, I saw something where offices, like of all things, we work. I saw something that they were <laughs> looking to add. Um, right. Wallet, car, you know, wallet key access key support um, to their workspaces. To, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I know. About, yeah. about wallet keys. there is a yeah. there's a home kit lock or two that does this they're new and not a lot of people have them yet but that's the main use case i could imagine is you know if you're hiring a babysitter you just send them a message and it has a key in it and then you can manage that key and revoke it if they ever leave your employer or whatever but that would be nice um i think that's that would more be cool that's going to happen a lot more frequently than someone with one of these magic cars with the keys on them you know oh it gets a little more popular we're talking about these cards that we use for office that we kind of swipe and it opens the door. And yeah. a lot of people probably don't know that, but yeah, we use these key cards that allows us into doors. And if they can build that into Apple, that would be fantastic. It would, it would all come down to cost. I mean, offices are going to pay for a bare minimum thing. So if it's going <laughs> to cost a lot, we're not going to get that. And I think like some of the hotels, like you were mentioning, yeah, it'd be great if it offers it, but like, Disney, for example, mm-hmm. you have to get the Disney app and you can unlock your um, door from your app. So you don't have to use this Apple wallet. So they got around that. Um, so it'll be interesting well, to see that comes out more. So the nice thing, though, is they did mention they're pushing this toward an open standard. So ah. you can imagine in a few years, if that works, maybe Android supports this because it's now not an Apple standard. It's just an open thing that anyone can implement. And exactly. that will be a game changer. That'll be nice. That'll be a game changer, just like the home kit we'll be talking about. That would be a game changer if they go, you know, I think they're being forced that way. I (laughs) think it's wonderful. I think they know it. Yeah. So they're going to have to open up some things. Um, Let's talk about maps. I think the biggest thing I got out of this was the new multi-stop feature. Hmm. Oh, this is long overdue. You you never had multi-stop before on Apple Maps. You believe that? There's a reason I don't really use Apple Maps. <laughs> <laughs> Would you guys use a multi-stop, both of you? What do you think of that? I I don't tend to use routes like that very much. Um, just the places I go, I know well enough that all I need to do is start up, you know, mm. nearby Explorer or something just to get streets as I cross them. True. Um, but for longer trips, yeah, I could definitely see, you know, all right, I want to go here and then we're going to go here after we leave. Just set that route up to begin with. Because like they said, you can do this on a Mac and then just send it over to your phone, or your iPad or whatever you're going to use. Um, so you can just configure it before you leave the house and get your all your stops that you know you're going to need for the day, and you're that done. That's cool. it. Right. How about you, Tyler? Um, I don't really use Apple Maps. I don't do a whole lot of navigating. I don't go many places, so I don't know if this is something I would use. 
be it an Apple Maps or other mapping service. Mm-hmm. If I did do more navigating, then I probably I, I might use it, something like that. But as of now, that isn't part of my personal use case. So. I think it's going to be great for those deliveries out there. Amazon Flex, I'm talking uh, to you. So if you have 10 deliveries, you can pay multiple stops. That would be ideal for them. Um, it is possible for blind people, I suppose, if you want to make stop, let's say I want to make a stop to the mailbox or not the mailbox, but my UPS store where I have a PO box and then I can go over here to this restaurant and you can have stops. If you're in an area you're not familiar with, that might be interesting. I don't know. We'll have to see how this works. Um, but there are things like you can see fair prices uh, for transportation. So you can now see the prices it is for that transportation. I thought that was a nice feature. And the, the last one is adding the transit card. Now, I thought we already had this and they were making a big deal. I thought like New York, you're able to add the hmm. transit card already. I think but, the difference now is you can reload the the balance on it and oh, see the balance. Okay. I, I think, I think I'm not sure. I think you're right. I do recall them saying you'd be able to load it and they see how much you have left if it's getting low on it. Yeah. That's okay. To, to me, that can be a big deal for some out there that lives in um, big cities. They have sure. lots of transportation. I can see that being beneficial. Safari. Now, this is kind of an interesting one. This is not something I would never use, probably. But you're I'm excited about a, this. I'm looking forward to this one. You are. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Ask the first you. one we're talking about is the tab groups. You're now able to share your tab groups with friends and family. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, the pass key is probably the biggest one. I'm excited with Alex. I think that's what you're talking about. Is the pass key? I was talking about both, honestly. <laughs> you really going to share your tab groups? Yeah, well, so you don't share them all. You just choose one that you want to share. So I can definitely see, you know, if if all my family and I are researching, you know, a trip or a big purchase or something, uh-huh. it would be a lot easier just for all of us to have pages up um, and we can all see what each other was looking at instead of just trying to send links back and forth through messages and trying to keep up with it that way. We just have the messages thread plus the shared tab group where we can all keep track of what each other is doing. That will be pretty nice. You know, won't use it all the time, but I'll I'll be happily take the option. Now, does that mean that if we you and I share tab groups with Tyler, for example, so all uh-huh. three of us see the same tab. So what if I add something to that collection? So it's, it's collaborating. Yep. So we would see what you add. You would see what all we right. add. And I think anyone can close a tab as well and see which oh, tab oh, someone oh, else oh. is viewing in real time. Interesting. What do you think of that, Tyler? I don't know if I would use that. Yeah, I'm not sure I, I would use that a whole lot. I don't do a whole lot of collaborating, but if I did, maybe if I was doing something with family members and they were also using it, it you're right, Alex, it would be easier than sending links to yeah. messages. Mm-hmm. But in my personal use case, that isn't something where um, um, where I imagine myself using, like I've never really been in a situation where I thought, oh, I wish I was collaborating with this person where we were looking at the same websites Mm. in certain things like documents, for example, I definitely can see where I would use collaboration, like rather than sending pages, documents back and forth or word documents or whatever. But other than that, I've, I've never thought of um, collaborating with websites. You know, I can see my wife using this with the family. I can see that. And I like Alex, I can see her doing that. I think it'd be more towards that area. If you have a need for that, that's pretty cool. Now, the passkey, which I'm excited about, folks, let's talk about that. that. So passkey is this cross-platform 
standard that they came up with with a number of companies such as Google, Microsoft, Apple, the whole nine yards to eliminate passwords. Now, I there's a couple of things I have to ask how this works. But anywho, what this means is that there's no more password. You set up um, the sites that you want to log in. You just use your face ID or touch ID to sign in. There is no password. It's kind of hard to describe it or explain to people. Password is gone. There's nothing stored on the server, so nobody could steal it. Uh, phishing attempts would be extremely difficult, if yep. impossible. Um, but Google and Microsoft is supposed to work and it's supposed to work on apps and websites you guys what do you guys think of that um my understanding was that there was a way like if you were signing in say on a windows computer you could use your iphone i don't know how this would work exactly but you could use your iphone to sign in without needing to create a separate passkey for a, a separate platform I, again I, I that's what i took away from it i don't know exactly how it works if they if say a browser on windows talks to I don't think one on would. iOS or what that's, that would look like, yeah. but that's what they just said something where you could walk up to any computer, sign in with your iPhone. So it's like I go online, sign in with my Microsoft, then I'll be able to use my Apple phone to yeah. do that. I think the idea is it's sort of like a one of those things, uh, authenticator app. So when you first sign up with Apple, this say once they support this this crazy thing, you would enroll your iPhone as an authenticator. And ah. so if you signed in with your Windows machine, it would know to send, just like when your authenticator app comes up and says, hey, you're, there's a sign-in attempt, same idea here, except it would just take a face ID or a touch ID and send that back and say, yep, they're all set, they can sign in. What if, well, I could see people going, like, what if it gets stolen? Well, that's with the face ID and touch ID, right. I suppose. Nothing is foolproof, but as a general this is incredible. This is this blows my mind just yep. thinking about the possibility. Again, this will just depends on how many sites and how long it takes to implement this feature is what's got me. It's like, is yep. this going to be big or not? Well, Apple even said right in the presentation, this is going to take a long time to do. It's it's a slow process, but they're kind of they're kicking it off now and they're hoping to just get the ball rolling essentially. Um, I believe this is based on the FIDO2, the FIDO2 standard, which is, as you described, it essentially turns you into the password. You don't need the password itself. You just need to authenticate yourself, and that is it. So it's much, much more secure, much easier, but it will rely on every single app and website to make the transition manually. That's awesome. This is the future, guys. Yeah. So, so people steal your finger, cut your finger off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's good about this is, is my, what I understand is that you can use at least on Apple devices it syncs so that it's like a password and that if I was signing in say if I created a key on my iPhone and then wanted to sign in on my, on my Mac to the same site I wouldn't have to take out my iPhone to do that to no. authenticate yeah. I could just do it with my with my Mac similar Touch to ID. how the authentic exactly similar to how the authenticator built into iCloud Keychain works today, where I can use TOTP-based authentication, sign in with my, you know, with Touch ID, with a password on my Mac, and not have to take my phone out to get the verification code from the yeah. Apple mm. authenticator. You hear it? And now, David Goodwin is, I know he's listening to the podcast. So he's the main dude of AppleVis. Hey, um, David, we would like to have this for AppleVis. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we would. Yeah. Pulling his hair out. Yeah. Um, now, there are numerous of other little things. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'll just kind of just hit some of the big ones here. I think like the um, photo sharing. This is mm. kind of a cool thing. So you have an iCloud photo sharing. So in other words, you are able to now to, to share your folder of photos or photo that is very much like we talked about collaboration, meaning that I can send it to a folder to Alex and Tyler. They can see the photos. They can add photos to it, delete the photos and things like that, that we were talking before. Um, I think this is now this, I think it can be a bigger thing than I realize. I think this is going to be used more than I think. Would you guys agree, Tyler? Um, see this for me, I don't have a whole lot of photos myself, but I could see how this could be a potential small quality of life improvement for me because my family shares a lot of photos. And right now it just happens all via messages conversation, just a perpetual text stream. And especially times where it's busy, where there are a lot of photos, I get inundated with notifications that I frankly don't care about. And it's all these, you know, these notifications, all these pics and captions and other commentary that the sender puts there all comes in as a message. Whereas with iCloud photo li- or shared iCloud photo library, if my family decided to use this, then each person could upload a photo, you know, or the photos they wanted to share and we'd all have access to them. But for those who aren't, you know, who may not be as interested, would not get inundated with notifications or have to decide do I mute this notification and risk not seeing something that does pertain to me mm-hmm. or keep it on um, and get every single notification? Whereas, so with the library, people could just upload their pics and delete them, edit them, do what they want with them. And I believe it is collaborative. So if there's someone who's better, someone in, in the group who's better at editing than others, they could, you know, edit, enhance, crop, do whatever they, you know, they would with the photos. I'm curious if all these things are or if there's an option to not store them on device, because I don't need other people's photos stored, you know, using my local storage on my devices. Um, if I can access them online, you know, via just the iCloud streaming, that's good enough for me. It's all I need. Um, and I would not need my, you know, I would not want my store devices, local storage taken up by my family's shared photos. Um, they said something about as far as how it would affect iCloud storage, you purchase the shared library. I don't know how the pricing or how much storage that is, or if that's something that's tied into someone's existing family Mm. sharing subscription. Um, But, and I don't know if my family would actually use this, but a person can dream, right? Um, (sighs) That's why I, um, that's kind of what I took away from it when I thought, oh yes, this could be, this could be um, an improvement for for me. I think it's reduce my notifications. A large family that wants to share photos and things like that together. When something new comes along, they just dump it in there instead of doing Facebook or messages. Another thing to take away from having to message everybody new photos, um, just kind of like Alex was mentioned before. That way, I don't know. That's just my thought. Um, some other ones I think it's notable is HomeKit. Now, this is kind of a cool. Now, just like we were talking about the pass key being kind of a new standard, there's supposed to be a new standard called Matter that allows you to use cross-platform devices on your home kit. This, if this comes to be like what I think it is, it's gonna be a big thing. But I am a doubter on this. Yes, Thomas the doubter. Um, 
because they only mentioned a handful of people. They said there was 129 or 130 people that are participating in this companies, um, such as Google, Samsung, Philips Hue, and but one of the noticeable one is Amazon. So I don't know how this is going to really work. I I'm I'm all gung ho for it. What do you think, Alex? Oh, I'm I'm huge into HomeKit. That's one of my favorite things about my Apple devices. I mean, before we started recording, you all heard me tell Siri to turn off the uh, Alex's room ceiling fan. Yes. So yeah, HomeKit's amazing and I love it. Matter is interesting. It's already been delayed, I think twice. Yes. Um, it's supposedly going to release this, no, not this fall, but I think they said by the end of 2022. Um, so we'll see how long it takes them to break that promise. But if and when it actually happens, as you said, it'll be wonderful. You know, everyone will just, what? all of our devices will work on, well, on the home kit. Supposedly, but that's kind of, you know, that's the question is yeah. home kit is partially all about, you know, security. Like part of why it exists is because it's more secure and private than say the Amazon platform. How will it be then that we can enroll an Amazon device into home kit and have the same expectation of privacy? So right. there are still questions and uh, I'm hoping that an announcement this fall you know, at one of the next Apple events is going to address some of these concerns that everyone has. You know, I, I listen to a HomeKit podcast as well. Um, I don't know if I can plug them here, but they're yeah, they're really good. Um, they're from one of the big Apple coverage sites and they have the same questions. So it's not just that we're missing something. It's that there are legitimately unanswered questions, which is why I was surprised that they even mentioned Matter right. at the presentation like- today because they have nothing to, to go on. Like that's there's no update. Why do they even bring it up? Exactly. And, and and here's the big kicker for all of you out there before you get too crazy, is that this will apply, my understanding, is new devices. So if yes. you already own a Nest or you already own a Ring, well, guess what? You'll have to buy a new Ring, a new Nest that has a matter. Oh, so no, I, a lot of devices can and do really? already support it They because okay. they knew this was coming. So they've built them for a while to support it when it comes out. Um, not all of them, certainly, but okay. there are a, a number of them that can do it. I think Thread is what you might be thinking of. Thread is a whole new radio standard that has to be built in from the ground up, but Matter is more protocols and, and software than actual radio hardware like Thread is. Hmm. That'll be interesting. We'll have to wait and see. I, I'm not totally um, convinced, but yeah. we'll see. But I but, had to mention that. But they did rewrite the, the home app, which I'm hoping won't introduce any accessibility problems because oh, there yeah. are a lot of amazing apps for HomeKit out there. Most of them are inaccessible. So okay. it's basically for HomeKit users, it's Home, it's Eve, and used to be Home Plus, but they've kind of gone down the, the accessibility slide as well. So there aren't many options. And if Apple breaks the home app in any significant way, I'm not going to be happy because I won't be able to do a lot. <laughs> yeah, the the Wiimo app is pretty it. good too. Is it? Oh, I haven't tried that one yet. The Wiimo, it's Belkin. I'm not as advanced a HomeKit user as you are, Alex, but I do have a smart plug and I connect my just basic fan, my basic night table fan to it. So I yeah. can tell Siri, turn the bedroom fan on, turn the bedroom fan off. And it's, it's a small thing, but I do like it. Um, you know, as opposed to reaching over or standing up to walk over to sw- switch the on-off state um, yeah. on the fan itself. That's the extent of my home kit adoption. Um, and it's a Wemo, just a Belkin Wemo smart oh. plug, and that app is accessible. Good to know. Um, but yeah, so but there are other things in my house that I considered getting smart plugs for, like you know, my air conditioner or 
something like that, where just simple on-off states um, yeah. have the device constantly in the on state and have the smart plug right. controlled and by home get dictate the power. We've got outlets and locks and light bulbs and a yeah. lot of stuff and switches. So, you know, if they if they break the accessibility of, of this app, then it's not gonna be great. It's not gonna be pretty. Um, and I let's I yeah, I'm gonna be curious. And that's gonna be another thing that we're gonna be have to test in beta, see how oh, accessible yeah. things are. There's no doubt about it. I think a lot of home kit people are in the same boat with us. We'll have to wait and see. There are some fitness updates there's some new goals oh, you can meet on that yes. i I'll, I'll talk to alice about this because he's I, I knew he would be the guy that wants this <laughs> fitness app so the fitness app is now going to be finally a standalone on the iphone which is great so you don't have to have an apple watch if you want to take advantage of fitness i thought that was cool it is um it won't be as accurate because of course they can't measure your exact motion or your heart rate right or your blood oxygen or all the other stuff that goes into the the motions but um, we'll get more into this when we talk about watchOS, <clears throat> but um, yeah, there are some really nice fitness things coming along, but I don't know, Thomas, do you want to hit that now while we're right here? Almost, We're almost done with this and we'll okay. head into that. So um, the health app, that's another item that they kind of mentioned and I throw in the iOS is that you're now able to track your medication. That's me. Old people have medication. <laughs> So I'll be able to like scan my prescription and I'll add it automatically for me and I can manage it so I can create a schedule or a reminder. Maybe like I want to remind myself to take it. I wonder if it'll be a reminder as in when I need to refill it. That would be the big thing for me. Hmm. Um, You can also track what you are taking and with vitamins. But my favorite is when you scan the prescription, it will check the other medication you have listed and see if there's any interaction with it and allow it to tell you, say, Oh, I want to let you know that medication interacts with the other medication. So I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. It'll, um, go ahead. Uh, yeah. It'll be nice on the Apple watch as well. They've got supposedly, I think they said they've got a new complication where it will right on your watch face, tell you, Hey, you forgot to take this thing or it'll um, let you tap it and just say, yep, I took, you know, this vitamin or this medication and it'll reset it for the next day. So the Apple watch is going to kind of be part of that, but just a really convenient, easy way to note your medications throughout the day. I think it's going to be very beneficial. Is it something that you both would use? No, but I know people that will. I know people that are really looking forward to having this option. You know, if you're a few meds a day or you have the pill organizer, this will just make it a little bit easier to keep track of things. Yep. Keep track of my drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, now let's go ahead and dive in so i what we did here we did a really in-depth coverage of the ios because i knew that'd be the most important now the rest of the categories we're just going to lightly go over each um, of the highlights we're not going to be as in-depth so yes let's dive into apple watch os 9 so alex you take it away i'm curious what did you come away from this keynote about the apple watch that you are looking forward to um, honestly, they didn't do as much as I hoped, and I'm hoping this will kind of be one of those. There are a lot of small features that no one mentioned in the the big release. You know, they just come out over time in the betas. Um, the one thing that kind of stuck out to me, apart from the new um, medication complication, is you're able to customize your workouts to a crazy degree now. And so, I'm not a runner. Well, I, I'm kind of, you know. I do jogging on the treadmill. That's all I do. And I'm not that good at it. Um, but it will but, work. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. It'll, so you can now do things like set it up so that if your heart rate goes into a certain zone, you can be notified. So, you know, you can slow down and you have to speed up. Um, You can do pushing yourself versus maintaining a speed. It'll tell you when you should do one or the other. It will now even track three different metrics as you run your, what do they call it? Vertical oscillation, contact with ground time and Mm -hmm. something else. Basically it's a way to help your stride and your efficiency. Yeah. And just honestly, to think that they can take a thing on your wrist and even get a clue about your overall running form is insane. It's it is cool. (laughs) As in the things they will be able to detect. And not only that, but the sleep cycle stages. Oh yeah. That was mind blowing. They they are able to to keep track and you have this new sleep cycle that'll tell you which stages you are in sleep, how long and how often, and things like that. I was like, that is mind blown right yep. there. And other apps have done that. You know, there's um, I think I think it's Sleep Plus Plus or NetBot. It's one of those that will tell you if you're in light versus deep sleep. Mm-hmm. They only have two stages, whereas Apple has three. And I'm gonna go ahead and assume because Apple is a trillion dollar company that they've done a little bit more authentication <laughs> of you know validity testing and all that stuff on their their testing. I think so. So I'm looking forward to that as well. But that and the workout customizations. Um, it's not just for running too. Like you can do this customization stuff on hiking workouts and strength and HAIT and others. So I'm looking forward to playing with that and kind of seeing what I can do. Cause I do do a lot of HAIT and other workouts, um, outdoor walks. So I'm quite excited. How about you, Tyler? Do you have an Apple watch? I do not. Okay. Is there anything in here that kind of like, wow, or you want to go get one now? (laughs) Um, uh, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, I mean, I work out occasionally. I do, I do pull-ups. I do the elliptical stuff like that, but I, not enough to where I would get an Apple watch or have any, you know, have anything that a watch could do that my iPhone can't in my mm-hmm. day-to-day use. That's what um, I said before I got one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause I've definitely heard of, I, there are, yeah, I mean, that's not to say that there aren't times where I thought, Oh, it'd be convenient to have, something to do this on my wrist rather than take a phone out of my pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if I'm in water. Um, but I mean, other than that, like, you know, if I'm swimming and wanted to check the time, but uh, I mean, really other than that, I can't think I, I struggle to think of a situation where I would benefit substantially from an Apple watch over yeah. an iPhone and a Mac. I get yeah, it. You never I know. get it. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of people that say that. And I, I understand, but I'm with Alex. Once you try an Apple Watch and you really use the features, it's it's like something you use day and night. I mean, you got to use it and you will use it. But as with Alex, I there wasn't a whole lot talked in here. They kind of threw in some iOS stuff, as I mentioned, about the medical, the uh, medicine reminder and some of the health aspect. They kind of threw that just to kind of extend this. So I was like, hmm, they were desperate for stuff to put in here because they yeah. don't have a lot to offer. They did also say they're bringing the, so the Series 7 has the QWERTY keyboard. I guess that's now coming to more languages. I have a Series mm-hmm. 6, so I have no clue how that keyboard is with voiceover. But if you're a multi-language user, uh, maybe celebrate a little bit. But that's, yep, all, <laughs> that's all I got. Um, <clears throat> I agree. And at those those with a heart issue with AFib, you'll be able to oh, track right. more of a history of how often and how long your AFib length is and send it to doctors. So there's a lot of cool stuff in terms of fitness and things like that for the Apple watch. So that's all I got out of the Apple watch OS nine, not lots of small things, nothing major. Yeah. Um, now let's talk about major stuff. I 
kind of did not see this coming was a new announcement for the Mac hardware. M2 is now out. What do you guys think of the M2? It's a stupid name. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, here's the problem, right? Which one do you want to get? The M1, anything, or the M2? Obviously, the two is better than the one, but hold on. Is the M2 better than the M1 Pro or the M1 Max and the MacBook Pro? Because you can get the M2 and the MacBook Air, or you can get the M1 Pro or Max MacBook Pro, which is going to be better than the M2, even though the two is more than the one. You're right. It's going to be very <laughs> complex and, yeah. and confusing. So yeah. you need to stick with apple to apples and oranges and oranges. So what we're talking about is the MacBook Air is what we're talking about. Yeah. If you are having a MacBook Pro with the Max or Ultra, obviously you want to stay to the M1. Let's just say you have another MacBook Air or you're a MacBook Air fan. It's going to be a big difference. There is a big, big boost. Uh, even the new MacBook 13 inch sounds like it sounds like it's got some sort of what 25% increased speed um, from the previous M1. So it that is for that model and that particular type of chip. So yes, you're right. It's going to get confusing now. Yeah, and they didn't help it. They now sell. You can still buy the M1 MacBook Air at the old yes. price of $999. <laughs> you can now buy the M2 MacBook Air for $1099. Right. I or, was like, what? <laughs> like there's a lot of Macs out there right now. And it's you got to really know what you're doing if you're going to buy one. Um yeah, so you it's $1,199. So it's $1199. Oh, sorry. Oh, with the M2 worse. $999. But the kicker is for another hundred bucks, the $1299, you can get the MacBook Pro. But the MacBook Pro with which processor? Yeah. The M2. The, the M2. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I missed that one. I was a little bit confused as the the whole new lineup because um, I know they still have M1 MacBook Pros right. out there. Yeah. These it's were all... firstly, uh, so they were the first one to be announced last year. So you didn't get all the cool stuff that the newer MacBook Pros got, like the 1080p webcam, mm. um, three microphones on it, four speakers. Now they got this more of a deluxe stuff that you got to see in the MacBook Pro uh, area. Now it's in the MacBook Air and center. What do you think of that, Tyler? I know you're a Mac hardware guy. Yeah. Um, it is a little good. The chip, you really have to pay attention to chip variants at this point, because again, there's the M1, which is really what they compare it against with the M2. So it is not better than, it is not superior to say an M1 Pro, an M1 Max or an M1 yes. Ultra, but it is an upgrade over the M, the original M1. <laughs> um, so MagSafe, I am excited for, I have a 2018 MacBook Air, which is, it's, you know, obviously Intel, um, not a very powerful Intel processor. It's 1.6 gigahertz, um, but it's adequate, but it's not getting any newer, if you know what I mean. Mm. And so I'm yeah. tempted. Um, so I'm tempted to maybe replace it and make the leap over to Apple Silicon with the new redesigned MacBook Air. Um, because MagSafe is one of those things where I do miss from my old oh, yeah. MacBook Air because now I just, it's USB-C or, you know, charged through the USB-C port. Mm-hmm. which is fine, except it takes out one port. You know, it takes yeah. out one port, whereas with this MagSafe, apparently you can connect it magnetically and have your two Thunderbolt ports open. And, you know, you don't have to swap connections out. Isn't that beautiful? Say. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, and that is, um, I believe for both the, the MagSafe is included in both the Air and the Pro, along with the 1080p webcam. And 
the what they're saying now a full size or a function piece which i don't know uh, exactly if that how that differentiates from the previous generation because i never personally interacted with the previous generation but yeah that's that's what i know about it um, yeah they didn't say so i'm kind of curious they only said magsafe is back i wonder if the magsafe on the new air is compatible with like tyler what you've got on your magsafe right now on your old air um, or if it's a whole new design, that means new adapters and cables. I just kind of wonder what they did there. <laughs> that that is what I'm thinking too. Is that yeah. hmm? I wanted the old MagSafe. We, we don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't even have I don't even have the, the cables charger for my you know, my 2013 MacBook Air anymore. Uh. But yeah, because I got I um, ended up getting rid of that thing um, a while back. But yeah, yeah, I, it might be different power. Get, yeah, it might be a different power adapter, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, but That's what I would guess. Yeah. Um. So what I think, guys, is that uh, to not confuse people, this is for the basic entry level. So obviously, there. This is like the bare bottom M2. That's not the Pro. It's not the Max. It's not the Ultra. Yep. And I'm talking about the chip. And so just because you have an M1 Pro, well, don't be confused because the M2 may be slower than the M1 Pro. Is what Alice was trying to say. Um, so yep. it's just make sure that you understand that before you purchase your new Mac. But for those that have a MacBook Air and sticking with the MacBook Air, this is something for you to look at. I I I love it. So do you? I, I think what you said, Tyler, is that you're you're thinking about it, maybe getting a new MacBook Pro or MacBook Air. MacBook Air, yes. Yeah. And Alice and I, well, we're stuck stuck on Microsoft right now. Until oh. until I can boot camp it, I'll go back. Hands so down. I've I've got an M1 uh, Mac Mini sitting right next to my Windows Tower, and I've got one of those keyboard switches. So I just press the button, and my keyboard and mouse switch from one to the other. Okay. Um, I don't use the Mac all that often right now, but uh -huh. I mostly got it so I could beta test this summer. So I'm looking forward to installing the new Mac OS beta there, but I'm definitely not looking to upgrade it. If they came out with an M2 <laughs> MacBook or Mac mini tomorrow, I, I would not upgrade. I don't use it often enough to make that worth it. So your knob is, 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 is stays put on. Oh yeah. Point yeah. to windows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So let's head over to the Mac OS. It is now called Ventura. I'm going to hand this over to Tyler. What did you get out of this? I'm curious what you think of the stage management thing. What are your thoughts are? My immediate thoughts are that this will not mean a whole lot to voiceover users. It sounds like a bit of an extension or an iteration of mission control, which is basically a way to organize your windows. Um, for my, the way I use my Mac, I just command tab. Um, and if I need to go in separate app windows, I just use the application choose or the window chooser menu. Um, but I, I can't imagine this sounds largely visual, so I can't imagine stage manager will make a big difference for me. But I'll have to see once I get my hands on the beta. Um, I was thinking the same thing. I was yeah. like, listen to this. I said, this is all eye candy. So those with low vision, wow, you're going to have a whole new way of doing things and might mess you up a little bit how. It sounds like a, a big UI change as in how things look. For us that, that are using just voiceover, I don't think you're going to see any difference. I really don't. That's just my thought. Um, uh, the only thing I, I can imagine, and Tyler, you're going to have to help me out here because <laughs> I don't really know what I'm talking about, uh, but they did mention that you could drop files or things onto apps that are open inside of this stage manager mm. that are on the side. 
I don't know if that'll make it easier to drop things onto apps than however you would do it right now with voiceover, but that's the only possible um, advantage that I could pull out of there. Yeah, voiceover's drag and drop facility is, it, it leaves much to be desired. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the thing where I, I've said in the past on Apple, this, you know, on the blog or whatever, that they could use, I feel like they could use more of the actions menu, similar to how they do it in iOS, where you can use the rotor to mark apps for drag and drop and use and use the actions rotor to, you know, drop before, after, on top of. Yeah. Um, and I wish they would bring that to Mac OS. I don't know if this changes, if change manager will change anything with drag and drop, or maybe if it changes the underlying functions to make it more conducive for a screen reader. I don't know that, that I guess that's remains to be seen. One other interesting feature of Mac OS is that apparently they've overhauled system preferences is now system settings. And it's, it's, oh. it's supposed to be more closely close to the iOS, the way it's handled on iOS. Apparently. Huh. That'd be neat. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, what do you think of the new spotlight options? There's just kind of made it more robust and more complex, it sounds like. I mean, it sounds like it's going to take effect to the iPhone as well. It sounds like the spotlight is getting a little change to it. Um, I don't use spotlight a whole lot because um, I typically, if I'm looking for fi- files, I to organize them in some folders that I'm I've become fairly proficient with, you know, navigating over the years, knowing where I put my things. So I don't use Spotlight a whole lot. Um, do you, yeah. Alex, do you use Spotlight? On, on I, I launch apps with it. That's about it. I used to use it more, <laughs> but a few updates ago, it suddenly started. VoiceOver would not read a lot of the results as you typed, as it came up with suggestions. Even if you arrowed, it wouldn't really read them all the time. So I kind of stopped using it when it stopped being useful for me because of something that Apple broke. Um, I'll I'll be interested to see if Ventura fixes those and makes it more usable again. But the ability to, like, if you are in Spotlight, you can now quick look documents. That would be nice. You wouldn't have to go to their location first and open them fully or find them in Finder. You can just quick look them straight from Spotlight, which is cool. Um, Stuff like that would be neat, but it's been so unusable for me lately you know, the last few a few years that uh, I've just kind of been put off by it. Um, yeah. Haven't really tried it. Here's for hoping that so they it have like- it usable because yeah. Spotlight and iOS, my problem with it is that it, it's just getting too much. So if yeah. I'm looking for an app, I want to type. The next thing I know, I'm getting documents, emails, all this stuff. And it's like, <sighs> it's like there's a lot of swiping and going through to get to what you want. Agreed. It sounds like Spotlight, um, if or the way I understand you use it, Alex, is um, it's kind of like how if you press the Windows key on a Windows computer and use the start menu search function and hit yes, type the name of an exactly. app and hit enter. Um, and Thomas, you don't have a Mac, do you? I do not, but it is very much like the Windows key to search, but it's it, yeah. it, it's it's on steroids. It does a lot more. It does yeah. emails. It does documents. It does a lot more than what the search does on Windows. Yeah, so it certainly, it yeah. works better um, if you can see it. I just I've had some accessibility issues with Spotlight lately. Right, because there are. I, I agree. I'm having some Spotlight issues, so hopefully that gets done. Um, they touted about the handoff, so FaceTime is now one of those handoffs. <laughs> I was like, that, that made me laugh. Didn't that make you laugh too? I was yeah. like, you just now added that feature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's terrible. Um, they were touting, and the other thing that made me laugh. See if you laughed. Uh, see if you laughed at this too, Alex. Is that you can now use your iPhone as a webcam? 
I'm thinking, yeah, what took so long? <laughs> it's like, no, it's like, why don't you have the awesome camera that we have an iPhone on your webcam on your computer? There is that's, that too. Yeah. I was like, that's what I was thinking. It's like, oh my gosh, you have to use the iPhone to get better um, view or resolution. I was like, this is terrible. This is your way of resolving all the problems. People saying the webcam resolution <laughs> sucks on a, on a Mac. Yep. Don't fix it. Use a better one that you have to go buy. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I see the benefits because it oh, yeah. has center stage so you can move around. It has all that technology and CPU in it and it has the portrait so you can blur out again. Mm -hmm. That should be already a feature on the Mac. Is Tyler, are we going overboard on this or what? I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. That's not <laughs> something I would, that, that isn't something I would use. And when I was hearing them talk about saying like, that's weird. Why, why can't the Mac just do that? Like what, like where were you were developing the Mac hardware? Um, yeah. Why can't yeah. the capabilities? Cause I know the Mac studio can apparently, or the studio display can apparently yeah. use center stage, which center stage isn't something that I would use. I can't see. It's it, not something I really care about. I can't see I, unless, unless I really needed someone to see my movements as I was on a video chat. I don't see myself using it, whether I was on Mac OS or iOS, but it does seem weird because you'd have to, at least the way they described it, you'd have to put a stand on the display to get, yep. you know, and I, that's not something I'm, I'm not going to buy a stand. And that's the to, other, that got me too. Like if I'm going to put my phone on a stand, which I'm going to put on my desk and I'm going to set it all up so it can see me, why would I not just use the phone for the video call in the first place? Exactly. Where's the Mac come into this at all? Yeah. <laughs> it, I just had to laugh. I was like, I don't understand this. And they're making a big deal, but like, oh, look what we can do. I was like, huh. Um, Yes, right. For those who can afford a Mac Studio display, first of all, yes, you can do that on the Mac Studio display. Very costly. It has a chip inside of it. So you need some processing power. So apparently they don't want to add another chip to your webcam. And even then, there cool there have been stuff. a lot of complaints about the video quality on oh, that display too. So it's I know not great. On the, the most expensive yeah. thing you can get is you got problems with it. I was yeah. Like, oh, yeah. All not right. A good camera. Anything else on the Mac OS Ventura that I did not discuss about that should be talked the about? The clock and the weather app are coming apparently to Mac OS. Oh, oh nice. wow. See, that's another thing. Oh. Seriously? Um, okay. Weird. Where was it before? Yeah. Like the, uh, <laughs> there's now a weather app for iPad. So, woo, another cool. new one too. That's still no cool. calculator. Yeah, long overdue. Long Never overdue. Been calculated. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is there Why anything else, Tyler? Um, for Mac, um, not uh, I think that pretty much covers the main oh. points. Obviously, or, or do you have another one? Yeah, um, bring it on. They didn't cover it here, but uh, they released it about a month ago. I guess there's going to be a new voiceover feature for checking the text that you're typing. So it'll pick up like yes. spaces and extra punctuation and stuff that you might miss if you're reading with speech. Text Supposed checking. to be kind of uh, like um, what's that text analyzer with Jaws? I think it is. Yes. So it's yeah. a tech checking. It's a new proofreading tool. I mentioned this in Unleash. So if you, a lot of the stuff that we talked about in the Unleash is where we're duplicating. I, these are the things that we heard about. And text checking is one of those where yeah. it checks for double space or capitalization duplicates and things like that. Minor proofreading. And I'm thinking when I said that to Unleash, I was like, are you kidding me? This, they didn't have this <laughs> already? I was like stunned. So what I'm looking forward to um, again, it's a hopeful feature, not anything they ever confirmed, but maybe this year will be the year that the uh, lag is gone. 
Maybe that would be very <laughs> nice, guys, wouldn't it? I've heard lots of lagging issues on the on the Mac. Hopefully that has been resolved. That's something we will have to check into. Yeah, that's the um, not responding. Error. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or used to be the busy message, but <laughs> oh used my to be gosh. busy now it's not responding. Yeah, yeah. It'd be great. They fix that too. You know, I don't mean to to, to be the, the Mac uh, fest bashing, but um, nonetheless, there's some really great features coming for the Mac with the M2 and such. So let's head into the iPad OS 16. This is the last category we're going to be talking about. All right. Now, it sounds like Alex is like really gung-ho about this release of the OS. Is that ah. true or not? I mean, um, to a point, I use my phone for everything and I love my phone and I would never be without it. My iPad is there for a testing device and for if I'm streaming a Netflix series and I don't want to drain my phone's battery. <laughs> So I'm not as into the iPad, but there are things that I'm looking forward to. Um, again, we should specify that a lot of this stuff is on all of them. So tab sharing on Safari, that's yep. on everything, yep. Mac, iPad, and iPhone. Um, lock screen widgets on on iPad as well. So a lot of the stuff is going to just be rehashed. So I'm, you know, again, looking forward to the widgets on the lock screen. Right. Um, one all thing the if new you're- stuff like the mail updates, the message yep, updates, mail, all that. Safari, um Spotlight, those changes are coming to the yep. iPad. All of it. Yeah. That's why I say they kind of spread it thin across all the different categories. But yeah, I think the biggest one for the iPad is collaboration. Again, I know you're hearing this a lot, but the share play, they were just pushing this, pushing it. And I get it. I see a, there are some, a lot of businesses, maybe school will maybe take advantage of the collaboration with um, mm. kids and stuff. So you'd be able to do collaboration um, like FaceTime, pages, keynotes, notes, and all these other built-in apps that is included. So you'd be able to do, they touted that a lot, right? And Freeform. Oh, so tell us about this Freeform. Now, this is kind of like a, like a center, like a place. It's the way I heard it described was... First of all, I doubt it'll ever be accessible. So who knows if we'll ever get to experience it. But it's basically a big empty canvas and you can invite people to collaborate. So if the three of us are on a free form collaboration together, there's the word again, then I might be able to draw a diagram. And then Thomas could come along and write, you know, some notes below it. And then Tyler could drop in a couple links and images. And everything is just on this massive canvas that you can make infinitely large. Um, sort of like disastrous. one of those mind mapping tools. This it's I, disastrous. Yeah. It's um, I mean, people like this stuff. You know, there's a lot of tools for drawing out flowcharts and and things to try to organize your thoughts. But um, you can put more than just just drawn on it. You can throw images on there. You can throw oh yeah, it's everything. Note. You can throw all this stuff into this canvas. Yep, and it's all shared, and, and everyone and, can do everything. And it does work on the iPhone as well. I think so. Yeah, that's what I. Th- Red as well. Okay. I, I don't know. OS, iOS, and Mac OS apparently. And Mac. Oh, nice. On the Mac too. That's good. Um, again, because it supports the pencil and diagrams and drawings and stuff, I doubt it'll be all that useful for useful for voiceover users, but we'll see what happens. Apple has surprised us before with what they can make accessible. I just don't have high hopes for this one. This is going to be a tough one because I think if you're in a business, I can see this them using this quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like... Um, Team, um, Teams is Microsoft Teams. 
Hmm. Is, is something big they use in a business and they use that so heavily. Um, this is like Mike, um, Apple's trying to catch up and trying to have their own kind of a collaboration that people can use. Um, I think those that are blind to low vision, it's going to be thrown into it. Um, whether it's going to be a very good reception as in being able to use it a lot. I think we're going to find a lot of us that are in that kind of a job now for normal Everyday users, I don't think we're going to be using that a lot unless you got family you want to play around. I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts, Tyler, on this um, freeform? Yeah, I certainly can't think of a situation where I would use it. Um, y- yeah, other than that, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on freeform. It's not something I saw coming. It's not something I can see. I mean, maybe if I was in a business situation and we we're coming up with a project or an outline for a project or I don't know, ideas for something maybe, Mm. perhaps. But other than that, I really don't, you know, it's not something I could see using in in any real application where I would use it. Right. So the other thing is that they've thrown in the iPad very much like the Mac and they're making it more Mac-ish like with the stage management that we were just talking about the Mac Ventura. Well, that's going to be into the iPad as well along with multi-windows they were thrown in. And I can't see that being all that different to us because we could just swipe apps back and forth. Um, I know some people like to use the side-by-side screen, and I know you can go back and forth using keyboards, but this ought to be interesting how the multi-window works for us that are blind. And we should say, too, that some of the stuff, I think, I think Stage Manager is only for the M1 iPads. Uh, and I'm I'm almost sure that uh, the external display stuff where they showed off that you could use up to eight apps at once if you plug in an external display that is only the M1, uh, the M1 powered iPads. So some of this stuff won't be available if you've got the lower end iPads. But I, right. as Thomas said, doubt you'll notice it because you probably won't need it anyway. Yeah, there's some things like um, you can customize the toolbars. I think that's kind of a mm. big deal for some people. There's some other stuff I didn't quite get into, like the display scaling. And the virtual memory swapping. That um, is neat. That's another, <clears throat> those are some other M1 things. But essentially, if you're working on a very heavy, large project and you need a lot of extra RAM, your iPad's out of RAM. Well, it doesn't matter now. You can just start using some of your storage as RAM, just like a, a regular ah, computer. Mode. That's like um, Windows, Windows and Mac OS. I can say, yep, exactly. Swap files. File swapping. Yes. Yep. Yep. Same thing. So that's neat. Wow. Um, the display scaling is cool. Again, not for voiceover people, but essentially you can shrink it. So if you can see it at a smaller resolution, you can shrink everything on your display and thus fit more at once. Hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. So they're making it very powerful because I have always said in the past, I said the iPad is nice and they got this M1 chip, but you're not utilizing it now. You're starting to utilize that power. Mm-hmm. And that is what I've been coming from. And is I'm glad that they finally going to tap into the M chip to do things that is uh, mind blowing for those with low vision or um, I don't think, well, I, I'll take that back. There might be some blind people out there that might be able to take advantage of that. And that's more the advanced people. I can, it'll be interesting. I can see myself liking having you know five or six windows 
tucked off on the left edge where I can just touch one and go right to it without having to do the gesture to bring up the dock. That would um, be cool if it works so, that way. If, yeah, if it does, it's a huge if because, of course, none of us could actually see how this thing works on the iPad during the demo, and none of us have run it on an iPad for real yet. And I, I for one, don't have an M1 iPad at all, so I probably won't be able to. What do you think, Tyler? It's starting to become like sound like a Mac a little bit. It is starting to sound like a Mac, and which is the reason I don't have an iPad because everything that you know, mo- or most of the things that an iPad can do, a Mac can do. And for certain things like keyboard support, I <laughs> sound like a broken record here because I've said this on previous podcast episodes. But the reason why I don't have an iPad anymore is the unreliable keyboard support and the fact that, um, at least at that time, apps were perpetually open, like apps were constantly open and you'd have to go into the app switcher to quit apps. And if I was using command tab, for example, things would get, I feel like things would get very cluttered fast with an iPad. Now, I don't know what that means now to like with windows and switching apps, maybe they're, they are making it genuinely more Mac like, um, but either way, I don't have an iPad and I'm not going to spend the kind of money for an M1 iPad for testing, you know, for the purpose of beta testing. Um, And so, yeah, so that's kind of my impression of iPadOS. Um, One thing that's, I believe for iOS and iPadOS, little thing, but it could go away is their new rapid security response. And that is apparently a way to, will automatically push security updates without needing to update the operating system. Similar to how Mac OS does it. If you go into system preferences in Mac OS, there's an option to install system data files and security updates. And apparently on iOS, there's a similar option in software update settings where you can install security updates without needing to update iOS. And the idea, the goal of this is to push security updates and quick fixes for zero days faster without needing to push entire updates and get the user base to update their operating system. Hmm. Can we get that for voiceover too? So we can just update voiceover without updating the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I would love that. <laughs> that would be the modular, modular yeah. update system for voiceover. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's a lot of things we just covered here in WWDC. There was so much, there are more things that we did not talk about. So yeah. be sure to check on AppleViz for the latest and greatest. Um, Tell you, you know, one thing. Um, yeah. One thing that we didn't mention just real quick, apparently the iPhone is getting quick notes, which is kind of neat. I've always liked the idea of quick notes, which is where on your lock screen, you can bring up a note, either the one you were reads, either the one you were most recently editing or a new one. And uh, if you're a notes user, that's just really convenient. And I'm kind of happy that they're trying it out on the phone. Hmm. That is convenient because it was on the iPad last year, mm-hmm. but not on the iPhone. Yep. That is interesting. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Now, going back to the beginning, we were given grades. So here's what I was thinking. So I gave a B to iOS. Everything else, I to me, I gave it a C just because there's a lot of eye candy stuff in here and a lot of mm-hmm. collaboration, um, share play, which is going to affect me. And so I was kind of give it a C. Is that what do you guys think in terms of grade level um, for today's keynote? All right. So iPad OS probably gets a B from me uh, because it has a lot of the same features as iOS and it does bring the new window management stuff, which if you're cited will be cool. Uh, Mac OS, yeah, a C sounds fair. 
the mail, the spotlight, some of that stuff is good. Um, the voiceover improvements with access or with uh, text checking is nice, but it remains to be seen how that actually works in practice. Mm-hmm. Watch OS. I would have to give a D. I'm not. <laughs> there's some nice stuff. I like the workout stuff is cool. The sleep stuff, if it works as advertised, is cool. Um, okay. Apple doesn't have the best record with, you know, some of the new things that they bring out being quite as accurate as they claim. So we'll see. But there's just a lot of low hanging fruit, I feel like, in Watch OS that isn't being addressed. That I really wish they would do something more about. No kidding. Like like you were saying in our email, and I totally agree. We need haptic sounds and notifications. We need that. I hate yep. getting the same tone. Yeah, same thing. Everything. Exactly. Was oh. that a vital doorbell alert or was it just Facebook Messenger from that thread? <laughs> I don't care about. Like you can't tell because it's all just the same thing. Yeah. What about um? So what about iPad? And then we'll go to Tyler. Oh, I, yeah. So iPad, I, I think I, I gave a um, a B as well because it Ooh. shares so much. You know, it's got okay. a lot of the same features, but it brings window management and some of the new stuff. And as you were saying, they're starting to tap into the M1 a little bit more, which is good to see. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, no, okay. iPads are fine. What about Tyler? What do you think? What's your grade on each of those categories? Oh, man. Um, I would say for iOS, probably a B. And Mac OS, probably a C, maybe a, a lot of that remains, a lot of the things that I care about is really in the details. I, mm-hmm. when I do beta testing, I like to mm-hmm. deep dive into these oh, things, yeah. both, both operating systems, iOS and Mac OS to see. What about the features that we well talked about, w- right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, things we talk about sound, um, sound, some of them sound pretty cool, Um I'll have to. So I, I would say for iOS, I don't want to grade things that I don't have real world experience. I don't want to grade things that I don't have real world experiences with. So I'm going to defer, or, you know, on the iPad OS and Watch OS. Um, okay. Because yeah. I, but um, for iOS, I'm going to give it a B. For Mac OS, I'm going to give it a C. Um, Okay. No, that makes sense. I just thought we'd do something a little different and you know, like an expectation, what we thought. And I know our listeners, we are got some really uh, listeners out there that are going to say they gave, gave an F. I, I could just see that. Um, there's some that are going to give it A all across, but I, I think what we're hearing here is fair assumption. Now, of course, we don't know all the new accessibility things in here quite yet. Yes, they gave us a highlight. Um, back in Globus Awareness Day um, that we discussed on Unleashed last month that we talked about some of the new accessibility features that are coming. But I I, I, I will say this, okay? I'm going on the limb on here and I'm not 100% sure, but all of us, we heard rumors and we'll see if this is right or not that iOS 16 does have eloquence. Oh, voices. bringing that up. Yeah, I brought ah. it up. I'm bringing it up because I don't know, because we don't know if it's true or not, but there are some, from my here, there are some new accessibility settings in terms of Braille display and things like that. Um, we will have to dive into it. Um, stay tuned for the Unleashed as I will get into and dive in. And I'll tell you everything that's new in terms of accessibility um, that we didn't get to hear about. So is there anything out there you guys heard about or want to share before we leave? Well, if we're doing rumors, I mean, yeah, I saw sure. I saw a rumor that one of the early Mac testers said that a lot of the lag in voiceover might be gone. So Woo! maybe. 
Everybody bring out their flags. Right. <laughs> uh, Apple is the best. Apple's the best. Okay. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it only took them 15 years to fix it, but hey, you know, better late than never. <laughs> For me, the lag is sort of waxed and waned over the years so mm-hmm. I, it'd be interesting to see and also it's it's very uh, for me very situationally dependent S- certain situations i don't experience much lag other situations it's painful so yeah that'll take some uh, you know what's gonna happen take some right? testing yeah. beta will be fine comes out oh. in the public it's just dog yep. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, probably. All right. Well, that's going to do for the Apple Viz Extra Special Edition for the Apple's keynote for the Worldwide Developer Conference, WWDC 2022. I'm here with Alex Hall and Tyler Steven. Thank you both so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks. And my name is Thomas Donva, also known as Anonymous. Until next time. Bye-bye, guys. This podcast has been brought to you by the community of AppleVis.com for the latest in resources and tips and tricks to get you the best experience from your Apple device. Visit www.applevis.com.